0: Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Trust the Journey. I am Tish your host and I want to say thank you. I have been really encouraged by supporters and um, listeners, um, friends that have really been an encouragement uh, to me through this podcast, through this journey. And the goal of Trust the Journey is to encourage the listener, um, whether that is through the guests that come on to the podcast or the teachings, whether they're individual or group, for the listener to really see that Jesus is in the details in the storms of our life. He is there. He has never left you nor forsaken you. And I am here to testify to that, that he is with us every step of the way. And every part of that in the darkest places, when we call out to him, uh, or even when we just don't even have the words to call out to him, he is there. If you uh, consider yourself to be a follower of Christ Please know that the storms are lo- of life, they're not going to end um, until we are home with our Savior. So I hope that this podcast encourages you to see that. And not only that, that you would uh, take the time to get into his word and go deeper into that relationship, and it's through his word that we really see the God of the universe. We see his love for us through every single uh, chapter, book in the Bible, that his whole plan was to reconcile us to him. He is not uh, a God that doesn't love you, that doesn't see what you are going through, He has a plan and a purpose for every single detail that he is squeezing out of our lives. Um, Sometimes we allow it and sometimes we are uh, not so forthcoming in allowing him to move in our lives for that growth um, and drawing him to us. But no matter what, when he has chosen us, he is sure to get us to where he wants us to be. So with that being said... Uh, we are looking today at the book of Jonah. And what a perfect book to go to when we are talking about the storms of life. Now, Jonah, the Lord brought me here two weeks ago. And um, when he had brought me here, I wasn't quite for sure what I was going to see uh, in the book of Jonah because, you know, I have um, definitely read Jonah before. I've read it quite a few times. And you know, I would always read Jonah when I was seeking the Lord in my disobedience. So why he had brought me back to Jonah, I wasn't quite sure. But I can tell you that my takeaway this last time over the last two weeks of going through these four chapters is that this story isn't so much about the Jonah that we were taught in um, Sunday school, you know, Jonah, the man that was called by God to go to Nineveh to uh, tell them that they needed to repent, but he didn't want to go and ended up in the belly of the well. And he sat in the belly of the well for three days until he cried out to the Lord. And the well spit him up on the shore. And then Jonah finally went where God had told him to go originally. And the people of Nineveh, They repented and turned back to God. Um, You know, that's how we've always known Jonah is we define the book by Jonah and the whale. And it wasn't a whale. It was a big fish that God called up. That's how the scripture uh, shows this, this fish, this monstrosity. It is not a whale. It was a large fish. And so what I got out of it this time was that it was God. It was always about God. Jonah and the fish are just a byproduct to aid in the bigger picture, the ultimate picture, the ultimate plan, which is God and his goodness and God that he is for us. And even in our disobedience, um, or if we are choosing to not obey, um, God still can use us, and he will use us, because it is all for his glory. It is uh, for people to come to know him and serve him and love him because he first loved us. Um, So with that being said, that's what we're going to jump into today is Jonah. And I would like you to really just hone more in on the details of God being there in the presence of of all that is going on. Now, I know that Jonah is only four chapters. However, we are not going to read from chapter one to chapter four. I have four specific bullet points that I really want to draw out for the simple fact that we are going to see God and minimize, if we can, um, the the fish, the big fish, And even to the point of kind of minimizing uh, Jonah. Um, Yes, Jonah is the vessel that God chose for his services. And um, we're going to definitely look at that. But I want you to see that God's will, his plan, will never be changed. God will always be glorified. Even as we are going, willing or unwilling, he's going to get the glory. And through our willingness or our unwillingness, people's lives will still be touched. People's lives will be changed. It's generally best for us to acknowledge the sin, accept God's plan, and continue to move forward, growing and drawing deeper to the God, our Savior. Okay? So let's begin in Jonah chapter one. I will only be reading um, specific verses uh, and drawing them out and go from there. So Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has become has come up before me but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship, which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare and went down into going down into the the bottom of the ship. Okay. Going down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I love how it says from the presence of the Lord. Let's talk about Jonah really quickly. Now, Jonah wasn't just a regular man. Jonah was a prophet. He was one of the prophets that had alongside of Nahum and Zephaniah um, that would go to individuals, towns, cities, whatever, and um, give those individuals the word of the Lord. So this tells me that Jonah, who was a chosen man of God, was walking with God day in and day out, he knew God's ways. Not only did he know God's ways, he knew God's expectations, he knew what God was capable of doing, he knew that he was capable of bringing up or tearing down, that God was mighty. So it makes me wonder, A man that had been walking with God for so long, why would he choose to think that he could flee the presence of the Lord? It states that boldly, twice in verse three, that he was trying to flee the presence of the Lord. He was not willing to take God's direction and go to Nineveh. Let's talk about Nineveh. Nineveh, in those times, was considered a wicked city. Genesis 10 tells us that the population was about 120,000 people. And when I think of Nineveh, I think of, let's say, Phoenix, okay? Nineveh um, was a major metropolitan Um, very uh, high cash flowing kind of city. And and it was attached to three, four other little cities around it that flowed into it. So think of like Tempe, Scottsdale, um, uh, Glendale Mesa, something that flows into the major part metropolitan of Phoenix to just kind of give you a picture of uh, how, how big Nineveh was it is um, considered like a current day city uh, in Iraq. Okay, so it was an Assyrian city. And the prophet Jonah was to go and, and give the word of the Lord to the Assyrians. Now with that, Nineveh was a very wicked city. It had a wicked government, it was lawless. They were violent towards their neighbors. Uh, they had been a longtime enemy of Israel. Yes, there were idolaters. There were adulterers. There were liars. There were, there were cheaters. Uh, I think it's Matthew 12 that kind of refers to them as, you know, they knew God, but they were like the Pharisees. They had that kind of unbelief. Um, they knew of God. They, they knew of Yahweh, but they had that kind of unbelief. They thought that they knew better. Even in Nahum 3, you hear, woe to the city of blood. You know, so these were individuals that were living what they thought was their best life. And and it was important for uh, Jonah to go and share with them that they needed to repent and turn away from their sin or, you know, God was going to destroy them. And in fact, we do see uh, from the prophet that uh, it was said that it would be destroyed. In fact, not only would it be destroyed, that it would be hidden. It would literally be hidden. And that's in Nahum 3 uh, verse 11. It is a city that would be hidden And the prophecy was correct. It wasn't until about the 1800s that archaeologists would begin to excavate portions of the city. So God kept his word. He was going to destroy it and it would be hidden. So that is the city of Nineveh. I want to ask you to think about, you know, your current Nineveh, where your surroundings are. I've had to stop and think about, you know, what is my Nineveh? What is uh, the person, place, or thing that I refuse to uh, obey and honor the Lord by maybe sharing the gospel to? Or is it a, you know, a family member or a friend that, you know, I may feel that is so far gone that it is not even worth sharing the gospel? Or even ask yourself, because I've had to ask myself this as well, Is Nineveh possibly one of our brothers or sisters in Christ that is on the road to sanctification? And because we, with our eyes and not with the heart of Christ, may look at them and think, there is no hope for them. Lord, you're just going to have to deal with that. But I need you to really just search your heart. I know I've had to search my heart. And I ask, what is your Nineveh? take some time over the next day or two and seek the lord through his word. Go back to Jonah. You know, pray about it. Lord, what is my Nineveh? What is the person, place or thing that I'm refusing to honor you in, Lord? Let's move on. Chap or excuse me, verse 4. The lord hurled a great wind On the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his god, little G god. They called, cried to their their god, and they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lay down. And had fallen asleep. Now, (laughs) even in that, no matter what, Jonah was going to escape the presence of the Lord. But I love how verse 4 starts The Lord, but God, He's the one that hurled a great wind on the sea. And it became such a great storm that there was. Uh, the ship was going to break and these men started throwing their cargo over and I'm sure it was quite expensive. But I love that even in that moment that God stirred the sea up and these men became afraid, even though they began to call out to their God, we will see that he be- they begin to call out to the one true God. So my first point of that is God calls us to his purpose. We may not want to because we don't feel like it or we think it's hopeless or we may think that God will send someone else to do it. But in this case, God alone will do it. We are just the vessels or the instruments that he may use for his glory to shine through. I always hold on to Hebrews 4.12. When I am thinking about and have thought about You know, what is that that God is trying to get me to do, but I am trying to justify my behavior. If I believe that God's word is true today, yesterday, and forevermore, that it is never changing, that it is not modified uh, to fit my narrative or my belief, I have to hold on that every bit of his word is true today it applies today. So I hold on to Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So his word for me has to be so penetrating and, and it should make us question the intentions of our heart. So I have to hold on to that, especially if I say that I'm going to live by his word. I've got to live by every bit of his word. Because in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If I want to live holy because he says I am holy, then I have to honor every bit of his word. Okay, let's move on here. So verse six. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man this is verse seven, said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse eight, then they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people Are you, he said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I want to stop right there for a moment. Mm, This is a good, good point for me. These men were pagan men. They worshiped many gods. They worshiped many gods, many idols. They had a God for everything that they felt deemed necessary. And they would go before those different gods and cry out to those gods. But the funny thing that I see here, it is, it's so interest, interesting. They knew that something had caused this calamity and they go right back to Jonah and they ask him, now, who are you? And when he tells them his occupation, the country he comes from, they know who his God is. Now, keep in mind, they weren't stupid. They may have worshipped other little gods, but they knew of the one true God. They knew of the, the God of, their, of the ancestors of the people that had parted the Red Sea, that had brought the many plagues. They knew that God. And they knew he was mighty. They may have still wanted to worship their little gods, but they knew the one true God. So in verse 10, then the men became extremely frightened. That should tell you a lot, that they knew who that God was if they became frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. The thing about it is I love how it mentions that Jonah says, I am a Hebrew. I am. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. That's another piece that the men would be frightened of. That's another validation of showing that they knew that God. Again, they knew that God. Again, even when we don't want to do something, God will still get the glory. I love how Jonah thought he could leave the presence of the Lord. He even paid to run from God. He bought this ship. Scholars do believe that he paid for the entire ship so that he could determine where it was going to go and how many stops it would have. Don't know if that's true, but I have heard that. He was even certain that God wasn't going to uh, deal with him, that he got comfortable and went down and went to sleep. But the thing about it next is his sin becomes exposed. God is not going to um, ignore you. When you have been chosen by him, he's not going to just let you walk through your sin and ignore that you're sinning. He's going to make sure that he plucks that up out of you because he needs you uh, to be holy for his purposes. He doesn't need anything from us, but we are his children, and he loves us, and he loved Jonah, and he loves you. So he is going to make sure that he exposes any kind of sin that may hinder you on your road. This is part of, the, of sanctification. This is the goodness of God. So even God here allows Jonah to become exposed. So as we're moving on, we see that. So they say to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea has becoming increasingly stormy. God exposed him. So Jonah has to acknowledge his sin. This is where we can come to an understanding and the love of God, because God could have destroyed the whole entire ship and been done with Jonah. But he is a loving God. And I want you to put yourself in that place. There are so many things that you have done, that I have done. But his love for us, because we are wanting to draw near to him, he will get us to a place where we are acknowledging our sin. Jonah says, he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For here's his acknowledgement for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. He's acknowledged the sin. I think in this point in time, he probably realized. Uh, these men who worship other gods, they know my God, they know what he's capable of. And I mean, the lot fell on me. I'm exposed. Let me just go ahead and give it up because I see that my God is serious right now. And I don't want these men to die on account of my sin. Jonah acknowledged his sin. I love God's grace. I love that he has allowed me the space in his grace to acknowledge my sin. Now, don't compare that to human beings, folks. Human beings are not God. They're not going to always allow that grace of space, that space of grace. People, human beings, they'll give up on you quick. But I tell you, Your God will never give up on you. He will allow you that time to acknowledge the sin. He is the one that is drawing you and stirring you. And when you know the goodness of the Lord, that how many times he has kept you, and even in the times that you are unaware that he has kept you, you then begin to know the conviction, the pull. The Spirit will tell you, hmm. I know I'm not doing this right, Lord. You will acknowledge your sin. Jonah very well could have just kept on going. But I tell you this, God is the one who directs our steps. Do you see God in the details of this story? Do you see God in the details of your life and the things that you've tried to run from? But because of his love, he's allowed you to get to a place where the sin is acknowledged. Oh, thank you. This is because God will always get the glory. The Lord is always present. There is nothing that will ever stop his plan. The men, they were calling on their God, their gods, their little G-O-Ds. But it gets to the point in the story here where they begin to call on the one true God. They were... Wanting to know, what can we do to make this stop? And Jonah says, throw me over so that this storm will stop. It is me. It is me that this is, is causing the issue for you. So let's jump down to verse 14. Then they, and we're talking about the men, the, 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 the men on the ship. The ones that were calling out to the little gods. Their little gods. Then they called on the Lord, and that's capital L. They called on the Lord and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. They were even worried about Jonah's life. How many times can you say that somebody has cried out saying, Lord, I, I earnestly am coming before you and and I'm, I'm asking you to, to protect them, too. OK, so they called out to the one true God, even in our sin. Even when we are being disobedient, trying to hide from the presence of God God will still squeeze out every ounce of glory. These men called out to the one true God. I'm hoping that they did not turn back to their little gods, that this was a life-changing event for them to remain faithful to the one true God. Isn't that beautiful? That even when we are in our wretchedness, our we are changing lives. God is still using us. God has chosen us. This is part of the process and we need to trust the process. That's my next point. Trust God's process. Your plans, my plans, they may be different. Or better yet, someone else's plans for you may be different. They may look at you like Jonah looked at Nineveh and say, it's hopeless. But I love how we put Jonah in the same exact shoes here. Jonah was just as sinful in his behavior as the Ninevites were. But these men even took mercy upon him and cried out to the Lord because they were fearing that if they had thrown him over, was the Lord, he was a man of God. He was a prophet. He worked for the Lord. Was was the Lord going to come after them? For throwing him over? They even had that fear. They even had that fear. God removed Jonah and placed him in that belly of the whale, or excuse me, of the fish. I want to make sure that we uh, acknowledge that it was a fish. Verse 15. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and and the sea stopped its raging. Jonah had accepted his faith, faith, fate. Basically, Jonah had accepted. Okay, this is it. I'm going over into the sea. Then the men feared. This is that fear. The Lord great feared the Lord greatly. Let me read that again. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Right there, boom men who were living a different way, worshiping many gods. They feared the Lord. It wasn't a fear of shaking and trembling. They knew his power because the sea had stopped. They had even heard of him previously, but this time they got to experience the miracle of the one true God because the sea stopped and it changed their lives forever. The men feared the Lord greatly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They turned away and turned to the one true God right there. That's beautiful. So I ask you to look at yourself. You are on this road to sanctification. And his work will not be perfected, completed in you until you are in heaven. So, I tell you that no matter what, if you love the Lord, if you are willing to sacrifice and empty yourself to live according to His will and His plan, you're not going to do it perfectly. Don't have the expectation on yourself that you're going to be perfect, and do not allow anybody else to place an expectation on you on what it should look like. Don't. Look at other people as they're the Ninevites and do not allow other people to speak on you as if you are a Ninevite. I think it's very important that we look at God in these details. God's plan will never change, not for you or for anybody else that he is trying and will turn to him. These men turn to the one true God, even in Jonah's disobedience. So I say to you, you keep pressing forward. You keep seeking God for your life. Not man. I cannot say it enough. We are in a society where we look to human beings to validate us. And these human beings are just as broken as we are. But we think that they have the answer for our lives No, I'm telling you, look to the one true God who is going to hold you up with his righteous right hand for his purposes. Next point. God will never change his mind about you. He has chosen you and he is never going to change his mind. His plans will never change. I don't care what your sin is, but even in that, as you're walking the road to sanctification and you are drawing closer to him through his word, morning, noon, and night, getting every bit of his word in your heart, you can't help but change. You can't help but acknowledge the sin. And when you've acknowledged that sin, then you are at a place where you can accept the discipline. God will discipline you. That's his love. Any good parent would discipline their child because they love that child. Through you, many lives will be changed. And it is to glorify our God. It doesn't matter what your title is. Remember, Jonah, the prophet, he had been walking with God. He knew what God was capable of, but he still chose to disobey But that's where he knows. He knew that the Lord loved him. He could not ignore it. And something stirred inside of him. He knew that he had been exposed by God. Not by man, but by God. Jesus, God. Mm. He will always prevail in the life of his people. He will always rise to the occasion so that he will be glorified we go on and we know that in chapter 2 Jonah is sitting in the belly of the well. so let me go to verse 17 just to close that out and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three nights or excuse me three days and three nights I'm sure that Jonah had a lot to think about while he was sitting in the belly of the well, because we do see in chapter two that Jonah began to call out to the Lord. He says, and if I can just read this beautiful uh, verse here, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. As he continues on all the way to uh, verse eight, he's praying, he's calling out. But the, the peace that, that God showed me is what I've been experiencing over this last year and a half, that he places you alone in, so that you cannot escape his presence And I thank you, Lord. He has provided what I've needed in relationship so that I would not try to escape his presence. He knows me. He knows you. He knew his servant Jonah. He placed him alone in the belly of the well because he knew his child would be in a position to lean only on him. And Jonah did just that. He cried out to his God, thank you, Lord, for placing me in a place of quiet, alone with you in your presence and giving me what I've needed along the way to grow. I'm a very social person. I, and, you know, I don't know how you are if you're extremely social. But if the Lord places you alone, oh my goodness, take advantage of it. Trust that he's going to give you what you need. He knows that no man should ever be alone. But when he wants to get your attention, he might place you in the belly of the whale. He might place you in the belly of that fish. And that may be alone time. Take advantage of it. So again, Jonah continues to pray all the way through uh, verse 8, verse 9. He says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Oh, give thanksgiving. That's why he said when he places you alone and you are in his presence, you begin to know the Lord at a deeper, uh, a deeper capacity, you're just so filled up. And then you begin to see his miracles in your life and through your life and around your life and the lives of other people, those saints that he's um, allowed to come alongside you. And you get to talk about it and share it. And then you can't keep it to yourself. Then you start pouring it out on other people. That's the servant that you want to be the one that is going to point individuals to the one true king. Give thanksgiving. Give thanksgiving to your God who has rescued you. Make a vow to him and keep your word. Keep your word. It is a vow that you will pay because your salvation, my salvation, it comes from the Lord. And that's when we see in verse 10 that the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up. I hope that throughout all of this, you have seen that it was never Jonah. It was never about Jonah. It was never about the fish. They were just the byproducts. It was about the God. God is in the detail. The one true God. He's in the details. He is the one that allowed These opportunities allowed the changes of the hearts in these men to turn away from their gods. He's the one. He presented opportunities for them to acknowledge, even Jonah, to acknowledge even his sin. I ask you, where are you at? Do you see God in the details of the storms in your life currently? I know I have. I ask you to go back through these chapters, all four of them, because we know that carrying on in, into uh, chapter three, that, that Nineveh, he, that Jonah finally makes it there, and Nineveh repents and turns back to God. And the thing about it is, as we move forward, Nineveh does like so many of us do. They go back to their behavior and worshiping God or other gods, and um, you know, being just wicked people—that's that's the human uh, depravity. That's who we are. But I ask you to keep running for the one true God. This road is not easy, and it's not always going to look right to other people. What God is doing in your life. But I tell you, you take hold of what the Lord has for you. And you continue to honor and obey him. And you will surely be blessed. You will surely be blessed. We may not always get to reap the benefits on this side of heaven. But remember that this is not our home. This is not our home. That one day, our Savior will come to gather his bride. And I know I want to be in that number. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Not perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. I'm going to mess up. I know this. But I'm going to do everything that I can to honor the God that has brought me through. To honor the God that has preserved me. To honor the God who has protected me. To honor the God that has loved me when no one else has. And I hope that this encourages you. I hope that this brings a a new found hope in the God of the universe, the God that created the sea and the dry land, and that you will go back through Jonah and get a different picture and let it penetrate your heart. Any other word that God has, remember, it is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And it applies today. There is nothing that you need to add or take away. Okay? So be encouraged. And I hope that you'll come back and you'll hear more. I think next week there's going to be a a guest. I won't share too much uh, now. But I hope that this carries you through and that you go back through and read these four chapters of Jonah and you are just blessed. Be blessed, everyone. Be blessed. Keep running for the Lord. And I want to thank you for tuning in. And I will talk at you all next week. Have a good week. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.